0: Thursday, the 16th of June 2016. Happy birthday to Alex Len. Monster show brought to you by tracks and at Bronco78. My name is Josh Lloyd, and if you want to sponsor the podcast like at Bronco78, all you need to do is leave a review on iTunes and you can become the sponsor of the show. Thank you, Bronco. Thank you to everyone who has supported this show all throughout the season and last season and the season before. It's been a tremendous to have you guys on board and, and helping out and helping to spread the word of the podcast, we are whittling down these uh, season in review podcasts. We have got three left. We are doing the San Antonio Spurs in today's show. So, let's get to it. To it. But before we get to it, just a quick word from the or quick mention of our sponsor, Fantrax. Who, who you you know and you should know by now. And if you're just listening the first time, make sure you're checking out Fantrax. It's Fantrax.com. It is the best place for you to host a fantasy league. Yes, I know that you've probably played all your fantasy leagues on Yahoo or you've played them on ESPN. But you're missing out. Fantrax has every option available under the sun. Not only do they give you the ability to have contracts on players, real salaries, um, made-up salaries, uh, trading future draft choices, three-way trades. Um, the amount of options, I can't even think of them. My, my mind has gone blank thinking about all the different options that Fantrax has. You can play all your standard games, your roto, your head-to-head, each cat, head-to-head, most cat. You can play all that, all the different scoring categories. You can play points leagues, but just the the plethora of options, minor league squads, uh, college players... It trading you know, seven years in advance for draft choices, if, if that's what you so desire, Fantrax is the place to go to check out and to set up your league. They've got the best free option on the market. They've got a great premium option as well. And when you sign up, there is a promo code, which is REDROCK. And if you use that promo code, you can go into the draw to win some Fantrax cash, which you can spend on getting your league set up as a premium league. So make sure when you are signing up, you use the promo code REDROCK on Fantrax. Hey, even if you haven't you're not setting up a league immediately, go to Fantrax, sign yourself up, and just browse the options. Oh, you will definitely be looking to convince your league to start up on Fantrax after checking out all the great options that they've got over there. All right, we are talking uh, San Antonio Spurs today. The Spurs finished the season with, a uh, obviously, a stupendous record of 67-15, and 15, bundled out in the second round of the playoffs, and yeah, disappointing, the Thunder obviously played out of their brain to, to knock them out. And you'd have to think that somewhat it's a disappointment for the Spurs to get knocked out. Now, I talked about the Raptors yesterday. I said they'd have to be absolutely thrilled with their season getting into the conference finals. The Spurs are a little bit different, given how well they'd played all season, given that their aspiration was absolutely a championship, and that's what their expectation was. They've got a right to be a little bit disappointed. It still doesn't take away from the accomplishments of the season and, and how well that they played, but they'll be uh, they'll be hungry. They'll be looking for more heading into next season. They uh, they have the 29th pick in this upcoming draft. No other selections in the draft. And we look at their free agency situation or, or their roster situation. There's a lot of interesting things happening, and a lot of it comes down to what happens with uh, Tim Duncan and Manu Ginobili. Ginobili and Duncan both have player options for next season. Duncan is 40 years old. Ginobili is 38 years old. There's a a leaning that Ginobili is going to retire at this point. Duncan, we have literally no idea at this point. And if those two guys leave, then it does obviously change their roster. It gives some more minutes and some more opportunities to a few younger players. In terms of other guys, there's David West, who's got a player option. We know that he's already declined that option. He was making $1.5 million last season, so he'll be looking to either find a new team or... Remain on this team with a, with a bigger chunk of salary. We have um, Boba Mayanovich, who's a restricted free agent after his uh, one impressive season. We have Jonathan Simmons, who has a non-guaranteed deal. You would think that he would be a guaranteed there. Andre Miller, Kevin Martin, Matt Bonner are all unrestricted free agents. I'd be shocked to see Miller Martin back, and I think the Bonner is likely to be back more in a uh, assistant coaching sort of role. And Boris Diaw, who's got two years left on his deal, but they're both non—they're not fully guaranteed. So th- there is a chance that maybe Diaw goes. I, I would be stunned. If he does go, but there is a possibility if they're looking to create some uh, some cap space to open up for some other players, maybe D a guy that um uh, that 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 goes. Yeah, pro- probably not. But obviously, the biggest you know, news to come out of San Antonio is going to be what happens with Tim Duncan and what happens with Manu Ginobili. I don't think there's really any way of getting around that. That is going to be the biggest you know, the biggest situation for this team heading into the heading into the off season or heading into next season, actually. Let's talk about their players now. Let's talk. And we start, we're start. we going to start with Kawhi Leonard because this team is, is comfortably Kawhi Leonard's team now. There's absolutely no doubt. And the torch has been pretty seamlessly passed from a Duncan Parker-Ginobili trio onto a Kawhi Leonard and LaMarcus Aldridge duo. They are the two men on this team. Leonard was superb. He led the team in on-off numbers at a 7.1. He was the third-ranked player in nine cat leagues. He was sixth in eight cat leagues. And that is a difference that is important to me. The fact that he was third in nine cat leagues, you know my... uh my issues with turnovers. I would never be picking Kawhi Leonard as the third player, even if it's in a nine cat league. Maybe if I played a nine cat Roto, I'll consider it. I would never pick him as the third player. Yeah, he's he's for sure a top six or top seven guy, but that eight cat ranking of six is probably the right spot for him, and that's that's sort of where he fits. But top three is not someone that I'd really be entertaining uh, picking at that high, despite that you know that's where the numbers come out. He played um, thirty three minutes a game this season and averaged twenty one point three points and hit one point eight triples. Almost seven rebounds, two and a half assists, almost two steals, a block a game, 51, 87, and 44. Just ridiculous, ridiculous percentages. Obviously, improved in basically every statistical category this season. Yes, his rebounds dropped by 0.4 a game, and his steals went from 2.3 to 1.9. But overall, what you got out of Kawhi was absolutely amazing um, once again. And it's... um. He's just—he's a—he's a thrill to watch. He was a second—he runner-up in MVP. He was a defensive player of the year for the second consecutive season. All NBA first team, uh, all-star starter. He is just a superb player to watch defensively. And when you're that good defensively. Um, that people want to watch you and it's actually exciting to watch someone defensively it's pretty special and that's exactly what Leonard is we don't really have to delve too much into his um, advanced statistics because they're out of control his PER is 26 his true shooting was 62 which is insane 13.7 win shares huge win shares per 48 comfortably well actually not comfortably leading the team because Boba Majanovic led the team Box score plus minus, massive offensively, massive defensively, massive warp, everything about Kawhi was great, and there's no reason to think he doesn't remain a top six player for the next four or five seasons you would think that everything about him just continues to evolve every single season and he is one of my favorite players in the NBA and he has been for, for quite a quite a fair while and he is just taking his game to many, many levels above where I think many people expect it. He's only 24 years of old years of old? That's not the phrase. He's only 24 years of age so he's got a lot of growth and development that he can uh, go through as well so don't be surprised if we see Kawhi actually get better from here and maybe he becomes a, a top four guy but you know, in that six to three sort of range guys are generally pretty interchangeable but Leonard helps in basically every category in a roto league I'd probably go one or two higher but he's a he's a comfortable top six player I've got no no issue with that uh, whatsoever Aldridge Lamarcus came across from Portland and I was pretty critical of him um uh, in the preseason, I was pretty critical of him earlier in the season. He was not someone that I was interested in drafting where he was being drafted. I was looking at him in the 40s or 50s, and he was going in the 20s. And to start the season, I was uh, I was pretty justified in my decision. He was the 41st-ranked player in 9-cat league pre-all-star, 62nd in 8-cat. Finished the season 26th, though, in 9-cat, 41 in 8-cat, and because he had a blistering second half where he was 24th in 8 and 12th in 9-cat leagues post-all-star. Really tremendous stuff, and he really got cooking. It was a, a downgrade on what he did last season. There's no doubt about that. But he ended the season on a ridiculous run. He ended up playing only 31 minutes a night, down from the 35 he played last season, and that dropped his points per game by five per game, down to eight and a half. Last season, he hit half a three a game. This season, um, not so much. He hit two threes for the entire season. So obviously, the mid range was the game that they were going for. Eight and a half rebounds down from 10 the season before as well. His steals were down. His blocks were about the same, but he shot way more efficient. Fifty-one percent, fifty-one and a half percent, up from the forty-six and a half he shot last year. Still a great free throw shooter, and yet twelve percent on threes. Not not a great total, but we saw that the change in efficiency, the drop in usage, and that's sort of where he where he sits as a player. I think moving forward now. When you look at LaMarcus Aldridge, on-off, only a point three, and that's not great. He did start the season off really poor, and it did take him time, but his role is not going to be the same role as what he had in Portland. Do I see him—he well, was 41st in 8K League. Do I see him being better than next season? Yes, I do. I think that he can become a player that you take at the back end of the second, maybe, and potentially the third round. But he's not a player that I'm taking at the end of the first round. So that post All Star nine cat rank of twelve, that's fine. But it's again, it's fueled by really low turnovers, and I'm not picking him at the end of the second, end of the first round. Would I take him early second? Probably not. I'd probably look more towards the end of the second, start of the third. That'd be the perfect spot in that, in that turn area between twenty four and thirty. I think is a great spot to take him. And I reckon if you take him earlier, you're probably going to end up being just a little bit disappointed, not massively. But maybe just, just enough where you go, Oh, geez, that was that was annoying. He's thirty years old, so he's not likely to really get much better. But he can feel more comfortable and put up more second half numbers for the entire season versus what he did when he first came across. Now, if Duncan goes or Ginobili goes, I don't think that really changes much for Aldridge or for Leonard, to be honest, because it's not like those guys were playing massive roles this season. Maybe Aldridge plays a little bit more at center. Maybe his block numbers go up. Maybe his rebound numbers go up. But overall, I don't think there's a massive change in what happens with LaMarcus Aldridge next season if uh, if Duncan and Ginobili happen to retire. Now, Aldridge was comfortably the second player on this team in Winshares, right up there in Winshares per forty eight as well but his box score plus minus was uh, was relatively disappointing just a point seven on offense and a one point one defensively he was seventh on the team overall that's not that great p r of twenty two is still pretty good and a true shooting of fifty seven overall his season was great no was was it great it was It was very good i think that's probably a better way of putting it, but I still do think that he will get overdrafted next season, and he will get drafted in the second round, and I'm pretty confident I'm not going to want a piece of getting him that early. Timmy Duncan was actually the third best fantasy player on this team, and that's saying something for a guy that was unrosterable for the last two to three months of the season. He started the season really well. He was a 4.2 on-off season. He was a key contributor, especially defensively, but last year he was the 21st ranked player in nine cat leagues. This year he was 85th. And post-All-Star, he was 155th. Obviously, his numbers drop considerably when you look at him in eight-category leagues. But still, Duncan was out there playing 25 a night, going 8-7, seven, 0.7 steals and 1.3 blocks, shooting 48-70. and 70. Now, there's been plenty of talk about Duncan's minutes over the past four or five seasons. And it's been something that I've pushed back on and you know, talking about, oh, he's going to get popped and all that sort of stuff. Well, that actually... He was reduced for the first time, really, in the last five seasons. He was actually limited severely by his age, his athleticism. We saw it in games against the Warriors. We saw it in the playoffs. He's 40 years old, man. I, I don't know what much, how much more we can expect. Would I, If Duncan goes around next season, would I be drafting him? Absolutely not in a standard league. No, no chance to me. I think he's more likely to be a player who plays less than the 25 minutes a game and maybe plays 20 or 22 minutes a game and that's really going to make it tough to have any sort of ownership in there. Obviously for Dynasty Leagues you're getting maybe one more season out of him and yeah, that'll be a great pick if you can get him around 200, 250 but there's obviously zero upside in Duncan. You'll get some blocks, you'll get some rebounds and you'll get some solid field goal percentage but he looked looked toast a lot of the time in the season. He just looked done and I would say there's a greater than 50% chance that he doesn't come back for next season. It's based on nothing, but that's just you know, just a feeling that I have with uh with Timmy at the moment. Tone Parker. Um he was uh he was pretty uh, pretty average himself. Now, overall he his numbers in terms of rankings are pretty similar to last season. hundred and twenty fifth in eight cat leagues and he's was hundred and twenty sixth last season. Pre and post All-Star, 99 versus 183. He dropped off significantly. He only played 27 minutes a night, averaging 11.7 points and hit .4 threes. He had 2.5 rebounds, 5.5 assists, .7 steals. But as usual, he was a 49% shooter from the field, 77 from the line, and hit 39% of his threes. Although he doesn't take many attempts. We score, saw his scoring drop by 3 points a game. We saw his... um. Actually, we didn't see much else change, but we saw his field goal attempts change, and that is that passing of the torch between Duncan and Parker across to Ginobili and Aldridge. He went from 12 attempts per game in 29 minutes to 9 attempts a game in 27 minutes. So a a big drop-off there, and if we look at the comparison in per 36 field goal attempts, 15.3 to 13. So that's on the same sort of minute range, a pretty big drop, and he still was as consistent in terms of his finishing or his field goal percentage but he just wasn't the same. His athleticism has diminished tremendously, and it wouldn't be a shock to see him go for 26 or 25 minutes a game next season. He's not as old as Duncan. He's not as old as Ginobili, obviously, but we can see the uh, the wheels starting to fall off Tone Parker. In terms of on-off, he was actually a negative 1.6. The Spurs were better with him on the bench than what they were with him starting, and that's not a great sign, especially when he's playing a lot of his minutes with Kawhi and with LaMarcus Aldridge and with these guys with great numbers. His win shares were still good. They were third on the team, actually, but box score plus minus, just barely above average, 0.1. That's not... It's not great, is it? He's 16.2 PR. That's not great either. And for how well he shoots from the field as a a point guard, to be only 55 in true shooting is a little bit disappointing as well. There is almost no way that Parker gets better from here. The decline is happening, and he, to me, is not a 12-team league guy next season either. And there's a chance that by the end of next season, he finds himself outside the top 200. I wouldn't be surprised at that. Money Ginobili. Um... Really good on off numbers, 4.3, one of the top on the team. He was actually almost as good, if not better, than Parker for a lot of the season. In terms of his per-36 numbers, they're through the roof. 8-cat per-36, he was the 32nd-ranked player. He was 127th in 8-cat, and it was a slight increase on last season. But we know the age of Ginobili, and we know that when he plays, and he plays minimal minutes, he's going to produce. But he just doesn't play anywhere near enough minutes. Just 19.5 minutes this season. Under 20 for the first time in his career. 9 points a game, 1.2 threes. 2.5 rebounds, 3 assists, 1.1 steals, 45. 81, 39. They're great splits. Superb three-point shooting. Low turnovers. But it's 19 and a half minutes. It just doesn't add up. It adds up if you're in a 16-team league, and he was a great source of assists just as a shooting guard eligible player when there's not many of those guys around. But he's probably not going to be back next season. And if he is, is he going to, he's not going to play more than 19 minutes a game. I wouldn't have thought... So the Manu Ginobili experience in the NBA is probably – well, not probably, it is – wrapping up and whether it has completely wrapped up I guess we'll see his advanced numbers were pretty impressive though box score plus minus he was the third on the team in that start at, at a, a PER superior to both Duncan and to Parker and a true shooting of 57 as well really good win shares numbers he, he was super effective but whether he wants to do it again especially when you get your nutsack split open you're probably your incentive to go back and risk that again or just the fact that you're 38 years old I don't end my balls spilling out over the court I reckon I'm pretty uh, comfortable to, to just retire and I reckon some of those thoughts will be going through Manu's head at age of 38. Not sure we see him go around again, which would be a real shame because he is uh, obviously a supremely talented player and has given us all a lot of enjoyment over the past however many years it is that he's been playing. A lot. Dan Green. Poor, jeez, Was there a more disappointing player than Dan Green unless his name was Sergio Barker? Um, no, Green was probably worse, to be honest. On off, still pretty good. A positive 2.7. Better than better than Aldridge. Better than uh, Parker. But he went from the 23rd ranked player in 9-cat leagues to the 140th. Now, you should never have taken him at pick 23, and none of you would have. But even in 8-cat leagues where you discount his low turnovers, he was 41st last season. He blew out to 152nd this year. And a lot, if not all of it, can be attributed to just piss-poor shooting. He went from a 44% shooter to 39. It's a big drop-off. He also took two attempts less per game on two minutes less per game, and I guess the playing time was dropped because he just couldn't hit shots. He went from... In Danny Green's last four, four seasons prior to this one, from three-point land, he had shot 44, 43, 42, 42%. This year, he shot 35%. That is an inexplicable 7% drop in his uh, in his three-point shooting. His free throws went from 87 to 74. These are inexplicable. Look, what, what could possibly have caused... Danny Green to just forget how to shoot. He was a, he was a triple one player last year. He averaged two point four triples, one point two steals, one point one blocks. He still got one point one steals. He still gave you point eight blocks, which is a little bit down. But instead of two point four threes, he gave you one point six. Combine it with you know, the drop in points down to seven point four points, which is his worst return in the last five seasons. I don't know, but I think that he will be a steal next season. You're not going to go, I'm grabbing him at 50, but if people are sleeping on him and thinking, well, Danny Green was the 140th ranked player last season, therefore I'll pick him in the last round, I'm pretty sure he's going to find him back inside the top 100 pretty comfortably next season. Get those defensive numbers back happening and get the shot back happening. We saw some remnants of that in the playoffs where he did start to look a little bit better. He is still a really impressive defender for this team and a key part of what they do, but... Jesus, he was uh, he was really poor. When we look at win shares per 48 on this team, only two players were worse than him, Ray McCallum and Kevin Martin. And that's not that's not a great situation to be in. Win shares, he was sort of middle of the pack. His box score plus minus defensively was out of control. He was at a three, which is one of the highest on the team. Um, he had Tim Duncan ahead of him, who had a massive five in the defensive box score plus minus. Duncan was incredible there. Anderson, Kyle Anderson, David West, and then Danny Green. So he actually ranked ahead of Kawhi Leonard in defensive box score plus minus. His total box score plus minus was was in pretty pretty impressive sitting at six as well. But the shooting just really killed him. He had a true shooting of forty nine and I talked about on yesterday's podcast. Fifty six is about average. You hit forty nine, that is really, really tough stuff. So I imagine I expect a bit of a bounce back from Danny Green, but probably not back to being a top forty guy, which is where he was the season before. Dave West went from being a key part of the um, Indiana Pacers to being a bit player on this team, and he did it because he wanted to chase a ring. He played on a team that won 67 games, but he didn't get that ring. Now, West ended up playing 18 minutes a night and scored seven points, almost four rebounds, .6 steals, .7 blocks, 54 and 76, and actually hit 46% of his threes, which is probably not something that you'd expect from Dave West. But the rankings, he dropped from 107th down to 162nd. And it's completely understandable because his role and his minutes completely changed. Now, whether he returns to this team, if Duncan is gone, he will have a bigger role, obviously. Um, or whether he goes somewhere else to play in a role, I don't think he can be a starter anymore, but play in a role where he gets maybe 24 minutes a night, 25 minutes a night. I don't think that he's really going to be challenging the top 100 at all. No, I would be stunned if he's uh, challenging the top one hundred. So, and David West, it was fun while it lasted. He's still got plenty of time left in the NBA. He's only he's thirty five, so he's got a couple more seasons left. But his um, ability to be fantasy relevant is obviously evaporating pretty quickly. Paddy Mills was not happy with Paddy Mills this season, if um, personally. Um, 0.7 in on-off, so not bad there. 192 in nine-cat leagues. And, but that is an improvement on what we saw last season from him, and that was to be under, to be understood. He was coming off a shoulder injury last season, and we did expect him to have a better year. He didn't quite reach the heights that I thought he would get to, but he did have you know not bad numbers, but still was never really able to have those games, which he had in the past, where he, he could take over a game and really start to light it up. And we just didn't see that from Paddy this season. He did play 20 off the bench, points and 1.5 threes. He got to 2.7 assists and 0.7 steals at 43 and 78 and 38% from three. You would imagine, unless the Spurs bring in another point guard, if Parker loses a couple of minutes, Mills is going to get them. But he's not a distributor. He's not a great runner of an offense. He's a good scorer and he's an electric guy who can go and hit three threes in a minute and really start to kick your team going that way. But he's not a player who can who can handle 30 minutes a night, I don't think. And that's going to keep him out of consideration for most 12s and probably 14 team leagues. But I could see him going from being the 192nd 9-cat guy to being a guy that you know, that pushes the top 150. I think that in 24 minutes a night, he could really be that guy. And his, his per 36 numbers are relatively impressive. He was 111th ranked player in nine cat leagues in per 36 and i think that yeah he he can be um better than what he was this season but overall i wasn't all that impressed with what we um what we saw from patty we look at what he did um advanced stat wise yeah you know, really good offensively box score plus minus a bit of a negative defensive but still pretty good great win shares 4.8 in total a you know, nice per of almost uh, almost 15 yeah, overall it was a decent season but not as good as i expected him to be and I think there's growth. He's only twenty-seven. I think he can get better next season. Just an extra couple of minutes is probably all he needs at this point to really take it, um, take it up another level. Boris Dia was a was a, a pretty big disappointment, I thought, this season. A negative on the quarters, a negative two point four, dropped his ranking from two oh nine down to two seventy-seven, and really just started to to look his age and started to look you know like pre-Spurs Boris. Eighteen minutes a night, six, three and two. He hit .3 triples, .3 steals, .3 blocks, 52 and 74. The numbers are all still great, but we know that the Spurs, that they're just going to spread these minutes amongst the plethora of options they've got on the bench, and that means that these guys are great, a great fodder in 16-team leagues, and they're putrid for anything shallower than that because you can't use any of these guys. Like Duncan, Parker, you couldn't use them. Ginobili, West, Mills, Dior... They were all great for 14 and 16s, but 12s, they were real borderline and some of them unusable. Does DL get better from here? Probably not. We know that he's getting up there in age as well, like a lot of this team. Um, But still, his advanced numbers don't really dissuade you from thinking that he's a decent player. Really good defensive numbers, which is not something you'd always associate with Boris DL. Positive win share numbers, pretty good PER, great true shooting. Nothing is really standing out to be a huge drop off moving forward, but he just wasn't quite the same. He didn't. He wasn't as impactful, and that's probably to do with the arrival of David West as well. He just didn't get to play as many minutes, and that's you know, understandable. Kyle Anderson. Kyle Anderson he had a big improvement over his rookie season. He was the Summer League MVP. He was a negative 3.9 on offer. That's not too bad. I didn't hate that. 249th in 9-cat, 262nd in 8-cat leagues. And I do believe in two to three years' time, whether it's on this team or another one, Anderson will be a top 100 player. Maybe yeah, ranked 99th, but I think that he can become that player. He he showed that when uh, Leonard has had to miss some games and he had to start, he he got it done. In his 16 minutes a game this season, he averaged four. Three and one and a half. He hit .13 threes. He had .8 steals. He had half a block. 45, 76, and thirty-three. He gets those three-point percentage up to thirty-six and hits you know, .5 threes a game. This can be a guy that goes 10, 6, and four with one point two steals and .7 blocks or something along those lines in a, in a decent role, and he's gonna be able to contribute it completely across the board in his game. It really looks pretty fantasy friendly to me when you look at his uh, when you look at his numbers. Apologise for that. That was my uh, my phone ringing as, as we're as we're going to air here. Um, I think I do think that uh, that Anderson can can be uh, a, a key player for this team moving forward. And we saw that they did rely upon him uh, a lot during the season, and much more than was to be expected. Great defensive numbers, and that's key as a guy that you know, we know how slow he he can look, but to actually put up good defensive numbers is key. Big win share numbers. I really do like Kyle Anderson moving forward. I'm not sure um, when it's going to be that he's going to you know, ascend into a player who can play decent minutes. It's hard given he plays the same position as Kawhi Leonard, but there is a position for him or Leonard to even play as the uh, as the four, um, and Aldridge plays at the five. There's, there's chances for all those things to happen. So don't be um, don't be completely shocked if you see Anderson take a big leap next season and then an even bigger one the season after. Kevin Martin, I don't really want to touch too much on Kevin Martin. He was pretty poor in Minnesota, was benched for times, got bored out, head across to San Antonio. He really, what did he do in San Antonio? The answer's nothing, um, really. He played 19 minutes a game over the course of the season, that's Minnesota and San Antonio, less than nine points, Point nine threes. He traditionally gets no rebounds, no assists, no steals, and shot just 37% from the field. Did hit 37% of his threes, and of course, he's a stellar 89% free throw shooter, but he can find himself a better role. He he likely won't be back in San Antonio. He should be able to find himself a team where he gets a little bit of a bigger role and become can become somewhat of a fantasy factor. But it's not likely to be in uh, standard leagues. He dropped from 63rd down to 299th this season. I think that he maybe returns to being a, an 18 or 20-team league player. But at his age how many years of productivity has he got left? He looked really, really poor this season, so wouldn't be putting too much faith in Kevin Martin having a bounce back. Ah, the internet's boyfriend, Baba Marjanovic. He was a negative 6.4 on off. That's not a great number. He was 280th in 9-cat leagues. He was 304th in 8-cat leagues, but he was the 11th ranked player in per 36 value for 9-cat leagues, 11th. That's obviously really impressive. Now, he only played nine minutes a game, so we're extrapolating a fair bit to look at his numbers But in those nine minutes, he averaged 5.3 points, 3.4 rebounds, 0.2 steals, and 0.4 blocks, shooting 61 and 77. If we translate that to per 36, 21 and 14, 0.8 steals, 1.6 blocks. These numbers are out of control good. Now, Boban's 27 years of age. He absolutely destroyed the D-League when he played down there. If Duncan is gone, can they start Boban Mayanovich next season? I don't think so. I'm not sure that he is cut out to be an everyday starter. He's a great spot starter. But I don't think that he would be a guy they'd be looking at as their starting center moving forward. I think he'll play more than nine minutes a game. I think that he'll play, he could play 18 to 20 minutes a game and then you know, he would actually challenge to become a guy in limited minutes who could be a 14-team, maybe a 12-team league guy. But I don't put a massive amount of faith in him for Dynasty just because of his age. And will he ever become a starter that plays 32 minutes? I I really do have my doubts about that. I really like what he can do in his fantasy game. He's super friendly. He's a massive offensive threat. He, he provides everything. He's His advanced stats are absolutely through the roof. Just led this team in win shares per 48. Massive offensive box score plus minus. His total box score plus minus was third on the team behind Duncan and Leonard. He had a PER of 27.7 ahead of Kawhi Leonard. True shooting of 66. Everything was superb, but it was in nine minutes a game. He played a total of 508 minutes for the season. He needs to do more than that. I imagine that a lot of that stuff will drop off as he plays more minutes, but Look, there's a chance that he sneaks into the top 120 next season if Duncan goes and they go, well, we're going to have to start Boban and play him 27 a night. I'm just not sure that they can really live with him being a player that plays 27 minutes a night. Another one of their guys who was a rookie who was um, yeah, pretty impressive was Jonathan Simmons. He ended up, well, he played for the Nets in Summer League and then the, then the Spurs just signed him and said, well, we're just going to give you a contract, and, and they did. So Simmons um, yeah, ended up playing with their Summer League team, threw down some huge dunks, played 58 games at 15 minutes a pop, Almost six points, 0.3 triples, an assist, 0.4 steals, 50 and 75 with 40% shooting from three. He, to me, is the absolute, um, I don't know the right word. He's a lock to me to take Manu Ginobili's role. I think that he goes from playing 15 minutes a night to 20 or 23 minutes a night. And in that sort of a situation, you know, he could become a player where in a 16 teamer you have to pay attention. And I wouldn't be shocked if in three years' time he has a couple of top 100 seasons. He can shoot the three, obviously. He can score. His defense is okay. You might get a steal a game out of him. Assist is not really going to be a strength of his, but good shooting, good free-throw shooting, good three-point shooting. I think that Simmons can be a guy that... that does contribute maybe one or two seasons inside the top 100. It might take three years to get there, but I think we're going to see a really big jump from John Simmons next season. The last two players on this uh, Spurs roster, Andre Miller and Matt Bonner. Do I need to talk about these guys? Seriously, they barely they barely played. Miller's 50 years old. Bonner just played 30 games and 7 minutes a game. Um, not, I don't think there's much point in me really going through those guys in too much detail unless you're playing a league that was active six six years ago. I'm going to take a quick break, and then we're going to be back to talk about the plethora of San Antonio Spurs Euro drafted stash players they have, and then uh, and then go through your questions, which is presented by Fan Essentials. Did you know directions are the number one cause of arguments on a car journey, especially for those of us who don't know left from right? It's why we're offering a complimentary satnav worth over six hundred pounds when you buy a Honda Civic SE Plus before July 31st. So the only thing left to argue about is how to get to your local Honda dealer, which should be just up ahead on your right. Or was it left? Honda, the power of dreams. Terms and conditions apply. Visit honda.co.uk for details. Talk about a few of these uh, international players that the Spurs love to draft and then stash either overseas or, or play somewhere else. And the first one I'm going to talk about is their first-round draft choice from last season, and that is Nikola Malutinov, who's a player I was pretty interested in, in seeing last season. He's um he ended up playing over in uh, in Europe for Olympiakos, and let's be honest, he didn't do a huge amount. He played 43 games over there, just 12 minutes per game, 4.2 points but he did shoot um, 60% from the field. He grabbed three rebounds a game and blocked 0.7 shots. So maybe he's a guy that they, maybe if Duncan retires, they look to bring him over as that as that backup center or, or third option along with Marjanovic. He's not an old player by any stretch. He's only 21 years of age, so he might have a couple more seasons over in Europe before he comes across, but he looks like he's just going to be a points, rebounds, blocks, and field goal percentage type of guy, and that, that has use in fantasy. So Malutinov's a guy that I think can have an impact, but it's probably two or three years away. One of my overseas stash boyfriends, Livio Jean-Charles, um, the Spurs drafted him in the first round a couple of seasons ago. He came across and played in Summer League this year, and honestly, he looked pretty disappointing. Um, played 25 games in the French League this year, averaged just six points in 21 minutes, but he is really more of a defensive type of player. Point four steals, point five blocks. He, he's, I was going to say he's a Kawhi Leonard-ish type of player, but Leonard's obviously taken his... Um, his offensive game to a completely different level. Jean-Charles hit 13% of his threes. He hit 55% of his field goals, but he doesn't take them from very far away. Um, yeah, pretty good rebounding numbers, 4.6 rebounds, but not a lot else. I'm I'm souring on him as, as a prospect moving forward. Mm. Maybe he comes across and has a, a decent run at it at some point, but I think to think that he'll ever be a top 150 player is probably um, probably clutching at straws at this point a guy that is coming over this season for the Spurs is Davis Bertans, the Lithuanian, or sorry, not Lithuanian, the Latvian. I apologize for any Lithuanians um, listening. He um he was playing in Spain last season. He is a dead eye shooter from 3. He hit 46% of his triples last season on 4.3 attempts, hit 2 a game, converted 46% of his total field goals. He averaged 8.6 points, 2.7 rebounds and 0.6 blocks with half a steal in 22 minutes. Now, he's not going to come across and be a great rebounder, but he's going to be an awesome stretch shooter. And that's a thing that this team did lack. Obviously, Aldridge didn't do that at all this season. Bertans is going to come across, and maybe he fills the role if Wes leaves, if Duncan leaves, and plays those minutes off the bench. He will be um, a Ryan anderson type of player. I think that's probably the best way of categorizing him, but just won't get the same amount of minutes, so therefore won't have the same impact. But for some reason, he comes across and starts getting hot, and plays you know, 30 minutes at night, then he's going to hit threes, and he's going to hit him to big clip. He'll grab some boards, and he'll do a little bit blocks and steals wise as well. Not much, but maybe approach one of each of those. Maybe. Probably more .7, 0.8. but the threes is really going to be where Davis Bertans' his, uh, value comes from. So if you're in a deep league, he's coming across, so you're going to get some value out of him next season, and he should be a top 300 player, I think so. Katie Lalanne was a second-round draft choice of the Spurs last season. He's a center, a pretty small center, but he played in the uh, in the D-League for Austin. Average 13 and 7.5 and 1.3 blocks, half a steal, and shot 47%, while also converting 34% of his threes. I think he's a really intriguing prospect as a three, as a stretch, not a three, as a stretch five. A, a, a. A big man who can hit some, uh, who can hit some three pointers and grab some rebounds. His advanced numbers in the D League are pretty impressive. Good, good, good box score plus minus, solid PR, good true shooting, good win shares, all that sort of stuffs. Good. His offensive rating at 109, defensive rating at 104. You now he's a positive on the court. I think that Llan, you know, adds to that just stock of big man that the Spurs can bring over. There's him, Malutanov and Bertans who can all come over and all can contribute, and that's more likely going to you know, filter into this roster once West once. And Dr. wants Duncan all go, then you then got Leland, Malutinov and Bertans all come across, and fit those roles. So these are guys who who are going to be. Yeah, Leland might not come this season. We don't know if he's going to um, get signed out of out of Austin. But I think that he did enough in in Austin and in the D League, to to can be considered as a player that the Spurs can use, and. Uh, if Duncan retires, wouldn't be surprised if they sign him and I reckon he's got a chance to be at some point in his career a top 200 fantasy guy. I'd say the same with Bertans and I'd say the same with Malutinov, who could p- potentially be a top 100 guy. Livio Jean-Charles, uh, a yeah, little bit souring on him at the moment. Let's now head to the questions regarding the San Antonio Spurs and the questions are brought to you by Fan Essentials. Now Fan Essentials is sp- sponsoring this podcast now so let's uh, let's hear a little bit about them. How would you like to get all your favorite NBA team's merchandise delivered straight to your doorstep? Or check out fanessentials.net and all you do is pick your favorite team and every month you get your team's gear shipped right to your door. It's a box of stuff. These guys pick it for you. They find the gear. You don't have to do it. And it gets it's full of amazing gear every month. It's a great gift idea to someone, your brother, your dad, your mum, anyone. Prices start at just $34.99. Visit fanessentials.net and use the promo code, which is REDROCK. That's the promo code we use for all the promos. If you use that at checkout, you get 30% off your first month. That is a massive, massive deal. So thank you to Fan Essentials 2 extending that deal to all the Red Rock listeners. Visit fanessentials.net to get all the essentials you need. Now, as I mentioned, once a week, I'm giving away one free month subscription to Fan Essentials to what I consider is the best question that's asked during the week. So these people have put their... um. Put their hand up and submitted some questions. Irv Dizzle goes uh, goes in twice and adds a couple of questions here. What Irv says? <clears throat> sorry, mm-hmm. Irv says, "What creative ways will Pop find to ensure Kawhi drafters suffer during the fantasy playoffs?" I think you're going to be all right next season. Now, he did have to sit some time down the end here, but the Spurs will resting. I think that the Spurs they won't get to 67 wins again next season. I think they they might drop off. And in the two previous seasons, Kawhi played all the way through, he didn't rest games, he didn't miss games, I wouldn't be too concerned uh, about that with uh, with Leonard, it, it is a con- it's a concerned with anyone, it's really hard to plan around, and yes, Pop is notorious for it, but every team is doing it these days, but if you're battling for playoff seeding, or battling for playoff spots, which I don't think the Spurs will necessarily be battling for playoff spots, but they might be trying to get themselves a decent seed, I think you're going to see a fair bit of Kawhi. Irv Dizzle says, Any idea on whether or not Paddy Mills or Jonathan Simmons take minutes away from Parker Manu? Manu? Mills will take a couple from Parker, I think, and Simmons is going to take a big chunk of Manu's. Um, Even if Manu doesn't come back, I think you see a two-minute swap between those two guys. Otherwise, Simmons goes to 20-plus would be my early guess, excluding free agency. Ben Clark says, does Boban get decent coin from elsewhere, or does he stay in San, San, I was gonna say San Francisco, in San Antonio? I think that it's a 70% chance that Boban stays in San Antonio. I think they'll, they'll match his offer, especially if Duncan happens to leave. He says, surely he'll have a big role with no or less Duncan. Will, just think, he only played nine minutes a game this season. Yes, I think that role will increase, and if Duncan goes, it does go up, but I just can't see him being a 27-minute-a-game guy. Joseph Diffenbach says, "With Duncan retiring, not so fast, my friend, and both Parker and Ginobili getting older, will players like Anderson, Mills, and Marjanovic get consistent minutes production? While Anderson was consistent this season with his role, and so was Mills, um, Anderson is not going to be really affected. I don't think by by Ginobili or Parker or Duncan. He's going to get that minute, yeah, you know, 20 minute a game role. I think is probably right for Anderson. Mills will get more, yes, and Marjanovic will get more if those guys happen to retire." Lam Huyn says, what is Danny Green's outlook this season? To what degree does he bounce back? I think he bounces back to a degree, but not the full degree, as we are, as we touched on early. James Conlon, will Aldridge be a top 20 player this season? He was top 10 for the last three months of the season. Can he keep it up? No. Um, it was fueled by really low turnovers, and I don't buy into that, so I would never be taking him in the top 10. That is uh, that is a suicidal move, in my opinion, James. TV, TRVORG, cool. What's Paddy Mills's contract? That's a good question. Let's have a look at Paddy Mills' contract. He has one more year left at $3.5 million, So he's on an expiring deal next season. That's pretty cheap for Paddy Mills. So he's obviously going to be looking to get himself paid. Where is David West headed? We don't know yet. We know that he's opted out. He could very well be back in San Antonio. But any team would love to take David West on as a backup big. I reckon he'd be awesome for the Clippers, actually, who really do need some backup bigs. He would fit really well if they can fit him in. But that remains to be seen. Last question. Brian Bell says, would Mike Conley, D. Rose, or Jimmy Butler be a good option? Of course they would, but there is zero chance of the Spurs getting Jimmy Butler. There is zero chance of the Spurs getting Derek Rose. Mike Conley is an interesting one, and I reckon that is a possibility, but you can't just bring Mike Conley in and go, you know what, Tone Parker, we're trading you out, or you're going to sit on the bench and play 15 minutes. That would be a real tough one to pull off. Rondo, no, he's a bad player. And Brian also asks, is San Antonio's coaching staff much weaker now? I'm not why I'm not I know you can't answer me no I, I, I don't think so they're obviously they're always tuning through assistants but it all comes from the structure of the team and from the head coach that they bring in the best assistants they lose assistants they lose GMs they lose front office people and they're still good so I'm not concerned about their coaching staff whatsoever Brian but thank you for the question we are done for today's podcast. I don't know why the Spurs podcast was so short, but it was. I hope I covered all the information. I'm sure I missed out like two key players or something. Follow me on Twitter at redrock_bball. Follow me on Facebook, facebook.com/redrockbasketball. Fan tracks, fan essentials. Basketball Monster, Hardwood Paroxysm. These are all people who support the podcast, so why don't you go and support them as well? It would be great if you could. Subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on YouTube, give a thumbs up. If you watch this on YouTube, everyone just give a thumbs up. That would be great if you could thumbs up this video. Don't forget to um, keep your ears peeled for the Red Rock Fantasy Football Podcast, which will be coming to you very shortly. We've got two hosts announced for that, Russell Clay and Jordan Schiltz. They're so looking forward to the content that both Russell and Jordan are going to be putting out on the Red Rock Football Podcast, so make sure you're a general. And of course, I'll tweet it out once it comes out but you um you just uh, stay tuned it's going to be coming pretty soon we are done today guys thank you so much for listening everyone see ya